and joins now to discuss as much as we can get in uh, from USA Today, covering all things NFL. It is Jared Bailey. Jared, thank you so much for being part of the show today. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. How are you? I, I'm great. I, you know what I am? I am jealous. I'm a Giants fan, and now I have to root for losses so that the Giants can go and get one of them quarterbacks. And then when I see what's going on with the Houston Texans, a team that not many people were excited about in the preseason, and now they've got the most exciting uh, rookie quarterback since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, I am feeling jealous. And I'm wondering, because you wrote about it, what you've seen from from, uh, C.J. Stroud. Yeah, like you said, I just uh, wrote something about him today uh, in terms of just the, the historic pace that he's on right now. It, it, it's incredible what he's doing. Um, right now he is on pace to set the single-season record for touchdown-interception ratio, which would be, if he matches what he did in the first half, there would be 28 touchdowns to two picks on the air, which is fantastic. Um, and in terms of the yardage he's on pace for, he's on pace for just under 4,600 yards, which would be a rookie record in that category as well. Second most uh, touchdown passes for a rookie if he stays on this pace. So he's just been out of this world. And if you want like a goofy random nugget, he already has more career passing touchdowns through eight games than Kenny Pickett does in 21 games. <laughs> so he, he's just playing out of his mind right now. And it's, it's not just the individual success that he's having. Like one of the, the biggest qualities that you want in a quarterback is does he make the people around him better? Nico Collins came into this year with a career high uh, in a season for catches of 37 that he had last year. He already has 36 catches. Uh, Tank Dell uh, was a mid-round pick out of Houston. Uh, really, you know, fun, flashy receiver. People worried about his size. He's already got four touchdowns on 28 catches. Like, Stroud is doing this with guys that weren't necessarily considered strong weapons, and he's making the best out of them. Noah Brown had a big game yesterday, and, you know, no, no disrespect to like Noah Brown, but he's not, you know, a top echelon receiver in the league. Dalton Schultz is having a nice year. He had a, a really big game yesterday. So the offense is being elevated right now because of how Stroud is playing. And he, I mean, you said he is absolutely just lit up the NFL world and, you know, coming off a performance where he throws five touchdowns, a game winner with six seconds left. And he sets the uh, single season game record for a rookie with passing yards. He's, the sky's the limit. He's only eight games into his career, and he already looks like one of the you know ten to twelve best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, it's crazy, and the lack of interceptions as well. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans are catching strays, but uh, you know a lot of teams are looking for quarterbacks. And also, by the way, you're right. I can tell you from my fantasy football draft of what I remember, there was no Houston Texans skill players going high in the draft. You know, it, it's like when Peyton Manning got to Indianapolis, he had Marshall Falk and then Edger and James. He had Marvin Harrison. Like, he had a lot of weapons around him right. that, that Stroud doesn't. So it, it just adds to your point. Um, who's the second-best team in the AFC, Baltimore or Cincinnati? If they played each other right now, I would take the Bengals. Um, obviously, you know, as, as a whole throughout the first year, Cincinnati had the slow start, and Baltimore probably has the more impressive resume. Um, they've beat so they've played Seattle and Detroit, who are two of the best teams in the NFC. They've beaten them by a combined score of 75 to 9. Yeah. So they have <laughs> they just decimated the best that the NFC has to offer right now. But Cincinnati, you know, we very parallel is this season to last season where, okay, last season Joe Burrow didn't participate in training camp. He didn't play in the preseason. The Bengals started off slow and still came within a couple plays of getting to their second straight Super Bowl. This year, Joe Burrow doesn't participate in training camp, doesn't play in preseason. 
and they start off slow, but now, you know, after the bye week, they come off, they beat the 49ers, and they beat Buffalo in consecutive weeks where the offense looks really good and Joe Burrow looks really good. So right now I would say Cincinnati. Um, I know that Baltimore is doing things that are, uh, like I pointed out, they've done very impressive things, but they've also had games where they look really bad against the Colts or they have games against Pittsburgh who they just can't seem to match up well against where, Lamar Jackson throws a really bad red zone interception. They give up a late touchdown in a game that they should have won. Um, so with Baltimore, like, I love what their defense is doing. I think Mike McDonald has done a tremendous job with that side of the ball. Um, and the offense, like, Lamar's getting the very best out of the guys on that side of the ball. We talk about skill position, guys. I don't think a defensive coordinator is laying awake at night thinking, oh, my goodness, how do I stop Gus Edwards? How do I stop <laughs> Justice Hill? How do I stop, you know, 30-year-old Odell Beckham who seems to be hurt more often than he's not? So it's it's a big testament to how talented Lamar Jackson is, how uh, good this defense uh, with Mike McDonald is is performing, and how good of a head coach John Harbaugh is. Um, but if I if they played each other again, I know the Baltimore won the won the first matchup, but if they played each other tomorrow, I would take I would take the Bengals. Yeah, the the Bengals of November sixth are different than the ones of September sixth. Also, I feel what's hurt, what's hurting Gus Edwards. He's, his first name is Gus. Uh, I can't <laughs> think of many athletes that have dominated. No offense to Gus Farrat. Um, are the are the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins basically the same team? A lot of talent, entertaining, get you headlines, but you don't trust them against the top teams. Yeah, it certainly does seem that way. And, you know, whether that's fair or not, that's going to be the narrative until they change it. You know, there's a very simple way to not have that label, and that's beat good teams. Um, the Dolphins are 6-3. and three. All three of their losses have been against teams that currently have winning records. They have not beaten a team with a winning record this year. And in those games, they have a minus 51-point differential. So they're not – sorry, they have a minus 49-point differential. They scored 51 points in those three games. They've been outscored 100-51. to 51. So – when you have, it's great that you can beat up teams like the Panthers, the Broncos. That's cool and all. Like most good teams can, but I think right now both Dallas and Miami are kind of just in that second tier where okay, you can beat the middle class and the lower class of the NFL, but if you play a Philadelphia, a Kansas City, a Buffalo, you're gonna lose. And until they go out and beat one of these teams, then that's gonna be what the narrative is around them. Like even you know I mentioned Buffalo. There's a reason why Bills fans are always so confident when they go into playing the Dolphins. It's because the Dolphins just can't seem to overcome that that uh, that, that dominance that Buffalo's had on them since Josh Allen came into the league. You know, there's been uh, very few exceptions. You know, the game last year, early on in the year, where where Miami did win. But you know, right now the Dolphins are a lot of splash, but no swim. And it, again, they have a very easy schedule. They're gonna be a playoff team. But it's going to come down to Week 18. If the, if the Bills stay within a game of them and it comes down to Week 18, then the Bills could still win the division just because they seem to have the Dolphins' number. And in terms of, in terms of Dallas, it seems to be the same way with Philadelphia. Um, and Dak talked after the game saying, you know, it's a game of inches and they just need to find a way to get that extra inch. Well, you know, this is year eight of Dak Prescott, and we're still trying to figure out if he can win a big game. So yeah. that's, that's, not, that's not really a great spot to be. No, the coaching staff has been around for Mike McCarthy's been around for a little while. And yeah, you're right, Dak Prescott as well. Actually, speaking of Buffalo, if the playoffs started now, well, one, the owners would lose millions in, in revenue. Um, but, but oh, it's got such a cheap joke by me. But also, they would be out of the playoffs. Uh, Denver and the Jets, not the two hardest games. But after that, it's Philly, Kansas City, Dallas at the Chargers. 
Um, final game at Miami, so it's not like Miami's going to be playing in snow. There's a there's a, a weird there's a clear path where I could see the Bills missing the playoffs, and yet right now they've got the be- the second best scoring differential in the AFC. And Josh Allen, I mean, if you look at advanced stats, he's still top of the league in EPA. He's still top of the league in every like major advanced analytical statistic. And looking at last night, it was an average Bills loss where, okay, the offense struggles early. The defense does what they can. But when you're going up, going up against the Bengals, you're not going to hold them out of the end zone. Um, they get a stop. It's 14-7. Then Josh Allen immediately throws an ugly interception. They get down 21-7, to and it felt like the game was done by then. And like the score was closer than what the game, what the game showed because it never felt like the game was in doubt for the Bengals. They ha- held the ball for 37 minutes to the Bills 23. The Bills couldn't establish a long drive until late in the game. And you look at the weapons on that team. It's now Dalton Kincaid is coming on, which is great, but far too often, you know, last week Gabe Davis had eight catches and a touchdown in a big game. He didn't have a catch against yeah. the Bengals, and that is. That's been the MO with Gabe Davis is you don't know what version. He has two, two wolves that Gabe Davis has. He is greatest player who's ever lived or Subway sandwich artist. Those are the two <laughs> modes that Gabe Davis has. And he disappears far too often in big games. Um, Don Kincaid had 10 catches. Stefan Diggs had six catches. They combined for 16 of Josh Allen's 26 completions. They don't have the depth on either side of the ball. And, yes, the, the losses of Matt Milano and Tredavious White and Daquan Jones, those are crushing. And Von Miller still isn't quite himself. At some point, though, man, you've got to have somebody step up. And it, it might not be fair. It might not be the best circumstances, but everybody's dealing with something around the league. And Buffalo doesn't have the horses on either side to really step up and do that. So now, you know, we talked about coming out of week one. Oh, it's just week one. There's still 17 games left. Well, I bet they wish they had week one back and they didn't mess around and lose to adjusting that they were better then because – there's a large difference between – and same thing with New England. They messed around against the Patriots and lost to a far inferior team. So now instead of being 7-2 and two and still being fine, you're 5-4. and four. you got to win you know, five of your final eight games to really have a shot. Because if you're 9-8, and eight, you might be on, on the outside looking in. If you're 10-7, and seven, you're probably the sixth seed. It's going to be a more difficult road. you got to win three road playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. But, you know, you've got Josh Allen. You can still do it. Now, you know, you're sitting at five and four. You've got to run through this gauntlet that you pointed out. They got trips to Kansas City. They got trips to Philadelphia. They play Dallas. They go to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. They have to play Miami again. They really only have one, like, as close to a gimme as you can get, and that's next week against Denver. After that, hey, the Jets, they might not be the best team in the world, but they have a good defense, and they play hard, and they've they've had the Jets number in terms of keeping games close, and they won week one. So, it's going to be a heck of a gauntlet to run, and it's going to tell us a lot about who the Bills are in these next couple months. Last question for you. Um, again, joined by Jared Bailey from USA Today. On August 23rd, Joshua Dobbs was a Cleveland Brown. He was traded the mm-hmm. next day to Arizona. A week ago, he started for the Cardinals. Last Tuesday, he was traded to the Vikings. He had one full practice. He was the backup. Um, the team was without two of their top three receivers and their left tackle and Cam Akers. His first series, he gets a safety on him. Second series, he loses a, uh, he gets fumble, sack, strip sack, fumble on him. And then after that, he scores 28 points as the Vikings beat the Falcons. Is the Joshua Dobbs story from this Sunday, is that the single most unbelievable event we've seen in 2023? Definitely up there, um, and good for Josh Dobbs, man. Like, there is not, 
you're, you'd be hard pressed to find a guy who is just, you know, so down to earth and humble and, you know, everybody just seems to really like him and revolve around him. And, you know, he's been all over the league uh, since he came into it. He spent his first few years with Pittsburgh and then went to Jacksonville for a minute, Tennessee, and then you pointed out Cleveland, Arizona, and Minnesota all this year. So it's been quite the uh, the trip this last calendar year for him. But, you know, even last year in the season finale against Jacksonville, like he had the Titans in that game and very close to winning it and upsetting Jacksonville to go to the playoffs. Um, so, and he talked in his presser, you know, about, you know, staying ready and whatnot. And he talked about his time in Pittsburgh and said that, uh, Mike Tomlin was a big reason why he, you know, learned to stay so ready because you never, nobody, as he, he said, nobody cares about your circumstance. They care about the result. And, you know, he, he's done, he's been the embodiment of, I don't care about my circumstance. I'm going to do the very best that I can. You know, even with the Cardinals, like, yeah, they didn't win much, but they played their butts off and they were in just about every game that they were playing. And, you know, they made you remember that you played them. So um, a hardworking guy couldn't have happened to a better guy. I don't know if the Vikings are going to be able to sustain this and, you know, go on this magic carpet ride to a wild card spot. But they are a very easy team to root for with a quarterback throughout the rest of the season that is, you know, they already had a guy who was easy to root for in Kirk Cousins and they have one who's just as easy to root for, Josh Dobbs. So, uh, wish nothing but the best for him, and it was a very fun story for him to, you know, come in similar to uh, Baker Mayfield did it last year at the Rams, where he kind of gets off the off the plane in Los Angeles and has to play against the Raiders. And we saw something uh, very similar with Josh Dobbs this past Sunday. So, congratulations to him. It's going to be very fun to watch them throughout the rest of the year. Yep. And if the playoffs started today, the Vikings would have the seventh seed. But again, there is still another half of the season. Uh, Jared, really appreciate. Uh, go check out his work in U.S. in the USA Today. Appreciate you doing the show today. Absolutely appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, take care. That is Jared Bailey.